What's up Raider Nation, Matt Holder with Silver and Black Pride here. The Raiders have a much needed bye week this week so we don't have an injury report to go over but there was plenty of news to talk about and we've had a bunch of mailbag questions submitted this week so let's do it. I'll kick things off with the roster transactions for the week and if you listened to last week's pod you know the Raiders added linebacker Blake Martinez to the practice squad. Well, Shortly after signing him, they elevated Martinez to the active roster, and he ended up playing a handful of snaps and had a tackle against the Chiefs. So, as I mentioned last week, Martinez will continue to bring a veteran presence to the Raiders' young linebacking corps. One signing that came just after Friday's podcast went out was Vegas brought in wide receiver Albert Wilson to the practice squad, but quickly elevated him to the active roster at the beginning of this week. Wilson is a nine-year NFL vet who was originally from Fort Pierce, Florida, and played his college ball at Georgia State. In 2014, he went undrafted but signed with the Chiefs, making their roster as a rookie and playing there for four years before a four-year stint with the Dolphins. Wilson was with the Vikings during training camp this season, but failed to make their roster. He does bring over some production to Sin City, though, with 218 career receptions for nearly 2,500 yards and 12 receiving touchdowns. In a corresponding move, preseason standout Tyron Johnson was let go, but he was added back to the practice squad a few days later. The Raiders also announced that cornerback Tyler Hall has been signed to the practice squad, and defensive back Darren Evans has been released from it. On a related note, tackle Justin Heron, who the Raiders just traded for a few weeks ago, was placed on injured reserve last Friday after tearing an ACL in practice. Heron only played for the Raiders for one game this season, but he does have one more year left on his contract after this one, so he should be back for next season. And for your workout update of the week, it was a lot quieter this week as linebacker Brandon King, who has played for the Patriots, worked out in Vegas last, late last week, per Jordan Schultz of the score. Alright, so I'm going to go over the details of the Devontae Adams situation, as I'm sure by now you've seen the video of him pushing the photographer to the ground after the photographer ran in front of Adams as Adams was walking toward the tunnel to the locker room after Monday night's game against the Chiefs. The wideout apologized during his post-game press conference and on Twitter, but the photographer is still pressing charges. According to the incident report, the man went to the hospital after the incident where he called the police and filed a police report. On Tuesday, the Kansas City Police Department charged Adams with a city ordinance violation, which is a little lower than a state misdemeanor for an assault charge and carries a fine of $250 to $1,000 or up to 180 days in jail or both, per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. The photographer cited whiplash, headache, and a possible concussion as his injuries, and Adams' court date is set for November 10th, so a little less than a month from now. The NFL is also investigating the matter where Adams could face a finer suspension. At the time of recording, no rulings have been made, but I will of course update you guys as soon as they do come in. Since we're already on the depressing Chiefs game, I figured I'd share a few quotes from McDaniel's post-game press conference. Learning lessons the hard way sucks, McDaniel said, but again, I think our team realizes you can compete with them, but there's a difference between just being in the game and then being able to close the game, and those are the lessons we're going to have to learn, hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully real soon. Sorry, I just couldn't help myself there. The offense had three or four plays there, a couple of penalties, and we went from being ahead 20-7 to to behind 24-20. to McDaniels continued recapping Monday night's defeat. And that's what happens when you play a really good team and you make some mistakes and don't finish the quarters. Like I said, credit to them. They did a nice job in the second half of really fighting and battling and made some adjustments. We had some things that were working periodically, and we kind of slowed them down a little bit here and there on defense, and then they found some other answers. We had every opportunity to really do a good job of trying to win that game. 
whether it was to get further ahead at the first half or come from behind and close that game out somehow, some way on offense at the end of the game. I don't think anybody here is discouraged about the fact that we're not close. I think now it's about what do we need to do in practice? What do we need to do to carry it over to the games to be able to really make the plays that are winning plays at the end of, at the end so that we have an opportunity to close out a lot of these close games? Because that's what the NFL is. It's a lot of close games every week. And when you start learning how to win them and finishing them, you start having confidence and a swagger about yourself. And then you get to the next one and you feel good about it. Well, Josh, get a week to figure that out before the Texans come to town. Keeping the train rolling with last week's game, a couple of Raiders did suffer some injuries in the bout with the Chiefs. The first was tight end Darren Waller, who left early in the contest with a hamstring injury and did not return. As of right now, the only update I have for you guys is that McDaniel said after the game that he doesn't think Waller's injury is overly serious, and we likely won't hear much other than that until next week's injury report. To me, Waller's injury will be a situation where no news is good news, because I'd imagine the only reason the coaching staff with deep roots to the Patriots and Bill Belichick will divulge information is if they have to, like if they were to put him on IR or something along those lines. But, based on McDaniels' statement, it doesn't seem like it'll get to that point. On Wednesday night, starting cornerback Nate Hobbs posted on Instagram that he broke his hand in Kansas City. The good news is, is it sounds like Hobbs will be going to be able to play through the injury. No surrender, no retreat, the cornerback wrote in his Instagram caption. A lot of redacted would have folded, broke bones in my hand, and had a choice. I told them to do whatever they had to do to put me back on the field with my brothers. I'll figure the rest out myself. I done took my share of L's and stood face to face with enough fear. I ain't hiding, I'm right here. We've seen plenty of corners play with a club on their hand in the past, so I imagine Hobbs will do the same and play with that broken hand, but it might be a little while until he gets his first interception of the year. I have an update on John Gruden's lawsuit against the NFL for you guys. As a reminder, Gruden is suing the league and Commissioner Roger Goodell, essentially for singing him out in the email leaks that led to his resignation, claiming that it was an attempt to ruin his career. Goodell and the NFL originally tried to have the case dismissed, but with that didn't work, they tried to push the case to arbitration, which District Judge Nancy Alf also denied. In seeking to compel the arbitration, the NFL parties must show that a valid, written agreement to arbitrate exists and encompasses the dispute at issue, the judge's order states, per the Las Vegas Review Journal. The court finds that the NFL parties have failed to meet their burden. Essentially, what that means is the NFL can't force Gruden into arbitration, and Gruden's intentions have been pretty clear from the get-go. He's not looking for money. He's looking to expose the league, which a public trial can do. Also, the judge agreed with Gruden that forcing arbitration would be unfair because the NFL Constitution would allow for Goodell excuse me, to act as the arbitrator. As always, I'll update you guys when I know more. Moving on to our news roundup for the week, a few Raiders set some milestones on Monday night. Crosby needed just two TFLs to surpass Khalil Mack for the most by a Raiders defensive lineman in the first four seasons since 1999. Crosby left Kansas City with three, so not only did he break Mack's record, but he has the most TFLs through the first five weeks of the season in the entire league since 2010. Derek Carr's two touchdown passes on Monday night made him the 19th quarterback in NFL history to toss 200 TD passes in 132 games or less, and that also moved Carr up to eighth in passing touchdowns since he entered the league in 2014. I've talked a lot about how expensive Raider tickets have been so far this season, so I wanted to share with you guys a recent study by FinanceBuzz.com that had a few tips for Raider Nation when buying tickets on the secondary market. The study's biggest tip was to wait until game day to buy tickets and avoid purchasing them several months ahead of time. By waiting to get tickets for the game, 
Raider fans save an average of 22%, which is the highest rate in the NFL. So, if you're traveling to a game, if you can stomach booking your flight in a hotel to Vegas without having a game ticket, the price of admission will be much closer to affordable. According to a study from Gambling.com, I guess it's just study season, the Raiders will travel the 11th most miles in the NFL this season, which is about par for the course as they are usually up there being located on the West Coast. For example, the Seahawks lead the league with over 29,000 air miles this season, while the Broncos rank 5th, Denver also plays the Jaguars in London, and the Chargers rank 9th, while the Chiefs, who are more centrally located, are 18th in the league. And the biggest news of the week is that Ella Rose Crosby is finally here! Around 4 o'clock on Thursday, Max tweeted out that his fiancée Rachel gave birth to their 8-pound, 4-ounce baby girl. A big congrats to Max and Rachel as they become first-time parents. And some things are just bigger than football, so go enjoy your newborn this weekend, and don't even think about works, Max. Here we go, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Adamholder95 or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, happy bye week. I'd like to ask something that's not related to the Raiders. If you were building a football team, other than QB, what are the top three positions you would prioritize? And if possible, could you list them one to three? Thanks and have a great week. First of all, I appreciate the uh, the politeness here. I love the, uh, the ha- wishing me the happy bye week and the uh, thanks there. But yeah, if I could list them, or I'll list them in order outside of quarterback. My first is I'm going to go after a good edge. Um, or I guess you could probably put this as a defensive tackle too because I'm mainly thinking about affecting the passing game. So if like you're, you're like the Rams and you're someone who has like Aaron Donald, who's obviously an elite pass rusher for a defensive tackle and kind of a freak as a potential, as a pass rusher, then, you know, that would be, I basically, I'm saying like either one of those guys, a dominant pass rusher in the middle or an edge that can win uh, a defensive lineman, if you will. And my reason for that being is with how important the passing game is in today's NFL, having a really good pass rusher can really affect the way the other offenses, the, uh, the other offense operates, right? If you can have someone who can get to the quarterback, well, if you can get to him fast enough, your corners aren't even going to matter because the balls or no one's going to be open in time. And you're going to change the way the offense has to play. They're going to have to hold guys in and all that good stuff. So that's my, that's my second most valuable position in the NFL right now is, is that edge rusher, that pass rusher, that dominant guy that can win. My second, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball and I'm going to say a corner. For me, I like a guy, I like having one corner who you can just sit there and be like, you know what, I'm going to put this guy in on someone man-to-man and I'm not going to have to worry about him for the rest of the game. You know, that's what kind of Namdi Awesome was back in the day. A little bit to Charles Woodson. And to me, just having a guy that can do that is astounding for your defense. Again, affecting the passing game and impacting it that way. Those guys are just really hard to find. And I don't think I need to let you guys know about that. It's, you can see the Raiders draft history over the last 20 years and all the corners they've taken and how much of them have struggled. So that being said, the corner is going to be a lot harder to find. But if you can find a guy that can just dominate and just lock people down on an island, that to me is one of the most valuable things on, on your defense. My third might surprise somebody or might surprise some people, I should say. And that's going to be a wide receiver. Now, I'm going wide receiver over an offensive line, and I'll explain the offensive line part of this in a second. But to me, just having a guy that you can just kind of go up and chuck the ball up to, get your guy, get your guy, quarterback a guy to, to throw to, is, again, a big part of the passing game. I think with, um, with the way the NFL is going, if you can 
even have, or if you even have a bad offensive line, you can run a lot of quick game and kind of turn it into basketball to kind of negate that. And if you have one guy that can dominate, especially if they're good after the catch, you can really impact your offense and you can kind of skirt around some of your flaws in your offensive line. And the other thing is, if you're talking about a single position, I think the problem with offensive line is having obviously studs across the board is the ideal, but that's hard to happen and hard to have happen in a salary cap league. So say you have one dominant offensive lineman and then four guys with question marks. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> right? That's what the Raiders have right now with Colton Miller. They have a great offensive lineman who's a stud, but we have question marks on the other four side or the other four positions, maybe not uh, center or whatever. And things are starting to get ironed out, but we're sitting here talking about how the Raiders offensive line as a whole is struggling and locking down one pass rusher is great. But if the other three can get free, doesn't really do you all that good. So that's why I prioritize wide receiver over an offensive line. That being said, you are going to need to have a good offensive line as the Raiders are quickly finding out uh, or have found out this season. So if we're talking individual positions outside of quarterback, I'm going to go edge or pass rusher, cornerback, and then wide receiver. Number two, preseason we saw clean football. This season has been the opposite. Do you think that's because of the complexity of the playbook? So by clean football, and I probably should have clarified this on uh, Twitter, I'm assuming what you're talking about is, you know, guys not understanding the route concepts or not executing the uh, the playbook and not necessarily the penalties. Because the penalties, that's just discipline. I don't know if the playbook, I mean, I guess you could say it a little bit has an impact, but for the most part, penalties are just going to be discipline. But by clean football, I'm assuming you're seeing, you're talking about executing their, executing their uh, assignments and all that good stuff. And... The example I want to use is going to be the last play of the game against the Chiefs. Because I do think what you're talking about has a big factor too. I'm just going to add to it and say the continuity, which is going to be my that's new my new buzzword, I guess, in the last over the last few weeks. But the continuity of the team. You know, we see the Raiders, they come out and they have Hunter Renfro and they have uh Devontae Adams on the same side. And what happens? They end up running into each other. Well, let's take a back step back and look at that situation for a second. You have Adams and Renfro, who this is their first year playing with each other, and Renfro has missed the last two weeks with concussion. So the fact that they haven't played or they haven't had a ton of experience playing with each other already means there's going to be a little bit of a chemistry issue there, or a little bit of timing issue, all that stuff that they've got to get ironed out with more reps together. Add on to the fact that Hunter Renfro's barely been able to practice during the regular season, that's compounded. And then the route that they ran, which goes back to the complexity of the playbook a little bit, was kind of... Not a timing route, but a route where you're designing to, to have them cross pass, where timing is a big part of the, the issue. And then I think my guys, B.D. Williams and, uh, and Marcus Johnson, were talking about this on Tape Don't Lie after the game. You know, that's something where Devontae does something different on his release on the line of scrimmage. Hunter Renfro does his thing, and they don't mesh up, and they hit each other, and the timing's off. So that's, I think, part of it, too, is, again, and I'm, I'm going to keep harping on this point, is they have a lot of guys that are still figuring out how to play with each other. You see that on the offensive line. You see that on the wide receivers, like I was just talking about. You know, if anything, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, granted they played together in college, they might have they might be the most on page with each other out of anybody, which is funny because obviously Devontae Adams is new. And I think you see that a little bit on defense too. Um, I mean, obviously they struggled to cover Travis Kelsey. A few of those were coverage busts and all that stuff in, uh, in the red zone. So I think that's part of it too is there's a lot of guys that, have a lot of talent but aren't used to playing with each other and they're still trying to figure it out 
And that's something that I think myself is probably one of the biggest culprits of this that we all kind of overlooked in the offseason and didn't think that would be as big of a deal as it's been. So yeah, I definitely say it's the complexity of the playbook. You know, obviously not having that down pat and not having that or taking longer to learn will uh, lead to some sloppy football. And I think too, it's a little bit of the, uh, the uh, um, continuity as well. Next up, what are the main areas you would look to bolster during this bye week? Or is there a single position that would fix the Raiders' woes? Or is it more realistic to just let the talent develop the rest of the season and see how it goes? Got a similar question to this last week. And yeah, I think my answer kind of is the same. You know, I'd like to see them maybe bring in a veteran corner since they are so banged up. Then again, I believe Anthony Averett will be back for the Texans game. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he should come back with the timeline on that broken thumb. Um, so I, I kind of had the same answer as last week where it's I, I don't think there is one person that can come in and really fix the Raiders' woes. I think they have the talent. You know, maybe if Carolina um, wants to have their fire sale, that's kind of been rumored and you can get one of their, their, I think it's Tyler Moten's, one of their their stud right tackles or a decent right tackle. Okay, maybe, yeah, you can bring him in. But again, I really do think the talent is there. They just got to figure out how to play each, with each other and then obviously stop figuring out how to beat themselves. And again, I just don't know. I don't think there's that one player that you can kind of add to this roster and really fix those problems. Those problems are the ones that, unfortunately, and as frustrating as it can be for the fan base and um, for the team too, is... It's just one of those things that has to get better with time, has to get better with more reps of playing each other. So, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing during the bye week right now is not necessarily looking for that one player, but just figuring out internally what they can do to, to finish these games and stop beating themselves is the biggest thing. So, yeah, I, I, I just don't see them making a move right now. Um, maybe when we get closer to the trade deadline, see where they're at and revisit. But, yeah, I think there's no magic wand. There's no magic player right now that's going to help them um, stop beating themselves more than anybody because that's the Raiders are the only biggest opponent so far this season. Question four, similar to the last one, a lot of people are identifying the interior defensive line as an issue, but after Monday, I believe it's the linebackers' corps are the biggest issue. What unit is in the most need of help? So I don't know if I necessarily agree with the the takeaway after Monday that the linebacker corps were the biggest issue. I thought that Vine Diablo played pretty well for the most part against the Chiefs and you got Denzel Perryman coming back. And I think they do have their help at linebacker coming in, in uh, Blake Martinez, who was a guy I actually I really liked for a while and wanted the Raiders to sign when he's a free agent a few years ago. So I think they're personnel-wise, again, going back to the not one player is going to come in and solve their units, I think they're fine at linebacker. They haven't been getting what they wanted for or they bargained for with Jayon Brown, which is pretty disappointing. But I think they're all right right, there, right now. Um, I think I would like to see what Martinez can do uh, in the next game against the Texans in a couple weeks. But I would probably have to agree and say the interior defensive line. I think a guy like Bilal Nichols was someone who a lot of people, and myself included, had had some hope for as an interior pass rusher. And he's given them little to nothing so far. Um, you know, as far as the, the fixes, and I, I believe this is going to come up in a question later, uh, too, is I don't know if there's one out there. What I would kind of like to see them do is give the young guys, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell, a little bit more run, um, especially if the guys in front of them aren't getting the job done. We saw that a little bit last week against Monday night, or against the Chiefs. Neil Farrell finally got to dress for a game. I think he played around 25 snaps or something like that. Um, and I believe Jonathan Hankins might have been a healthy scratch or had a minor injury. Uh, and obviously Farrell got the playing time. Matthew Butler was inactive last week, been active for a few games. So... To me, the move to make 
is if you know a guy like Nichols isn't getting the job done or Hankins isn't getting the job done, then I think you start to give the young guys some time. See what they have, especially if the season uh, keeps going the way it is. What do you have to lose? See what you have in that fifth round and fourth round picks. Now, that being said, uh, I do think Andrew Billings is playing pretty well against the run. He's kind of revived his career, and it's been pretty pretty cool to watch. But he's, again, not a guy that's going to be getting interior pressure, and that's something that's really missing on their defense and something that's going to be even more glaring, I think, if Chandler Jones starts figuring it out too because I think Chandler Jones is probably taking more of the – or Chandler Jones' lack of production is probably taking some of the spotlight off the defensive line or the defensive tackles, I should say. So for me, I just think – I think – you got to get someone in there that can get some pressure because right if you get two edge rushers that get pressure, the quarterback can just step up and you've created rushing lanes for them to, to run against. So I kind of do think interior defensive line needs something needs to be reshuffled. If Bill Allickles can't get it done, again, maybe give a guy like Matthew Butler some more reps. And I don't know if they're going to be able to bring anybody in because if they bring someone in, they might have to get rid of one of the young guys, which – could be a bad recipe for success for the future. So, yeah, I don't know. I think the linebacker's all right. I know a few people have uh, been split on that, but definitely interior D-line is one of the biggest needs of needs right now for the Raiders to be. Next question, are the Raiders not utilizing their short passing game over the first five games? So this was something that off the top of my head I hadn't really noticed, but then I went up and looked up some stats, and it's very much true. So right now, Carr is tied for seventh with a 9.6 a dot average depth of target and is 23rd in the league in dropbacks that are screens at about 20 at about 7.4 percent so he's throwing deep um as a top eight quarterback or in the top eight of the league and he's in the bottom eight or the bottom what would that my math is terrible yeah i think the bottom quarter of the league um so the bottom eight that whirlwind way of getting to that point but for screen usage and that was something that i thought mcdaniels would bring more of that's what i think they did a lot of in new england and we even saw in the first preseason game so it's weird that they've kind of reverted back to or kind of gotten away from that you know that's one thing that i think they could definitely take advantage of especially when the offense is struggling and you have a guy like Devontae adams like hey if we can't move the ball right now well let's just give it to our guy as soon as we can with or let's give it to our best offensive player as soon as we can and see what he can do. I think that's definitely something that they can take advantage of. Now, to play devil's advocate a little bit here and have McDaniels back, I do think part of that has to do with the game situation that they've been in. When they get down, they kind of have to chuck it deep and kind of have to move away from the screen, the short passing game, and they've been down quite a few games this year. But they've also been ahead in, what, the Cardinals game, Tuesday night, Broncos most of the time they're ahead, and the numbers are still what they are. So I definitely think they need to utilize the short passing game I think, two having Hunter Renfro back will will, uh, will Im- improve that as well because obviously that's where he kind of has killed it and they've missed him for the majority of the year and he's good after the catch. So I definitely think it's something that they can use moving forward, but I think now that they're going to get some of their guys back, maybe we can see that and uh, hopefully McDaniels can get back to tossing some screens around because that was something that was certainly a big part of his offense in New England. Another question here. Love all these, by the way, guys. Seems like the execution of the game plan has been one of the biggest issues this year. Players confused on the plays, not knowing routes slash assignments. Improvements improvements are there, but not solidified. I guess we can only hope by the bye week that they're able to gel. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. I mean, the best example I can give you guys is the the Hunter Renfro and, and Devontae Adams where they run into each other. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's a little bit of 
again, guys just not being in sync and, you know, all that we are kind of left to do, especially with, with no, uh, no games this week. It's just kind of hope that the, the bye week is the, the week where they can sit back and reflect and figure this stuff out. And hopefully, I don't know, going like a freaking camping trip or something to, to get the chemistry back with the rest of the team. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't have a great answer other than what, uh, what I've already said, but it definitely needs to be flushed out. I, the bye week again, said it a while early buys. You usually hate those could not have happened at a better time for this Raiders team. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see them start to execute a little bit better, have that self-reflection period and, and, uh, figure things out. Hopefully the break is what they needed. I do think it came at a perfect time. Next up, and another question that kind of already answered already, but here we'll go over it, reiterate it again. Any chance the interior D-line improves in pass rush? See any upside so far, or do they need to trade or pursue a free agent or a vet? So again, I think the problem with trying to go after a free agent or a vet, or a trade somebody, I should say, uh, is they have two young guys that are on the bottom of the depth chart that I don't think they want to give up or risk putting them in a practice squad and somebody else snatching them up. So if they're going to get rid of a guy, which they would have to do in a trade or a free agent, we might see a guy like Hankins be the odd man out because he's a vet, not giving them or has never really given them much in the pass rush department, kind of starting to fall off the cliff a little bit more. Andrew Billings seems to have taken his role. So maybe that's the guy that they can get rid of. Um, As far as bringing in anybody in a trade or a vet, kind of the same thing I've been going on, on about is... Maybe they can sign in Dominic and Sue. Talked about last week how I think Sue and the 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 league Sue values himself more than the rest of the league seems to be right now. So I don't know if that's going to work. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where again I'd really like to see them try and give some of the young guys a little bit more run and give them more opportunities, see what they can do, um, especially if you know guys that are ahead of them on the depth chart are producing. I mean, to me, that seems like the the easy answer. Maybe we'll see some more reshuffling um, after the buy, after they've had, again, more self-reflection. But yeah, I don't don't know. Uh, I want to try and be optimistic as I can, but I don't know how much is going to be able to change between now and uh, now and next week. All right, I'm going to wrap up here with a few questions that were basically the same thing. And first, I have to ask, I want to make sure everybody here is okay. Because I know what this team can do to you mentally. And it seems like a few of you guys are having a little bit of a meltdown. Which is okay. I get it. I'm right there with you. But I have to read my favorite question of, of the bunch. Which all of them are basically the same. Or something along the lines of this. Why do I continue to hurt myself expecting things to be different? Tweeted this out. It's just because Raider Nation is a collection of, of uh, insane masochists. right? We all love punishment. And we all think... We're all going to keep doing the same thing, thinking think we're going to get a different result. I guess that's just what it is. I mean, here's what I'll say for the optimism, the optimist in me. I'm going to, I'm going to turn coat here because I'm usually, I'm usually the pessimist, but I like being an antagonist more than I like being a pessimist. So I'm going to be the optimist here. A lot of ists. Uh, but here's what I'll have to say. The Raiders' schedule is going to get very easy after the bye, a lot easier after the bye. In fact, they have a really good chance to go 6-0. They play the Texans out of the bye. That should be a win. If, if they lose to the Texans, we will, I'll be right here and crying and having a meltdown with you guys. If, if they lose to the Texans, season's over. Season's over. You can start start doing your draft research, whatever. Then they play the Saints. Then they play the Jaguars. 
and I'm going to screw up the order here, here somehow, but they play the Colts, the Broncos, and the Seahawks. Six very winnable games that would put them at 7-4 and four heading into November. Now then the schedule gets tougher as they play both the LA teams, Pittsburgh's mixed in there too, and the Niners, and then finish out with the Chiefs. So yeah, the schedule is going to be tough. But they do have this six-week stretch where they can get their record back up to where it needs to be to be in the playoff hunt once again, and more importantly, build confidence. So I think that's what we all need to look at is if they can go through these next six weeks or their next six games and go undefeated and run the table, then they're going to be in a decent spot to be 7-4 and four and have a decent chance at making the playoffs. Now, I say that, and I also want to reiterate that they pretty much have to do that. If they lose any of those six, it's going to be pretty hard to make the playoffs. But those are very six very winnable games. And again, we just saw the Raiders take on the Chiefs. They lost by a point, played a lot better than I think everybody listening here thought they did, played a lot better than I thought they did. So that's good. They're right there. It's again, can they stop beating themselves? And that's the biggest thing right now. The other question that I wanted to read that I thought was hilarious was, Will Anderson or, or best quarterback available in the draft? Um, Will Anderson. So if it gets to that point, I'll cover all my bases, cover my pessimist base. Yeah, I'm a big Will Anderson fan. I'd love to see what he could do on the Raiders. But um, if they're picking one, if they're picking one, one, probably be a quarterback, guys. Yeah. But no, we're not we're not getting to that point. They're going six and zero. They're gonna be seven and four heading into December, and we're gonna all sit here and wonder why we were what we were so damn worried about. I'm staying optimistic. You're not pulling me down to that trap. I'll probably be in there next week. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you guys again for listening. Got the buy this week. Turn on that Red Zone channel. Enjoy yourselves. Have a couple beverages. Relax. Enjoy not having to stress about the Raiders. That's how I know what I know. I will be doing this Sunday. As always, make sure you're following myself at mholder95 on Twitter. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, guys.